Hi, this is Dale Buchanan, the host of Puppy Talk Podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know of my new book, The Complete Puppy Training Manual. It's available on Amazon in four formats Kindle ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. You can find it on Amazon right now. It's called The Complete Puppy Training Manual, and I will put a link in the show notes of this episode. I'm Dale Buchanan, and this is Puppy Talk, the podcast that offers advice on how to raise a healthy, happy, and obedient puppy. This podcast is sponsored by Top Gun Dog Training. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast now so you don't miss a single episode of Puppy Talk. Hi, welcome to episode number 22 of Puppy Talk. Today we have the one and only Trish McMillan. She is a certified professional dog trainer and certified dog behavior consultant with a master's degree in animal behavior. She specializes in training and behavior modification work using positive reinforcement with dogs, cats, and horses. Trish is located in Mars Hill, North Carolina, and her website is trishmcmillan.com. I'll place a link of her website in the show notes. Today we're going to discuss multi-dog households. So welcome to the show, Trish. Thanks so much for inviting me, dear. This is a rainy Saturday night in South Florida. What's it like there in North Carolina? And by the way, where are you located? I think it's north of Asheville. Is that correct? Yes, just about 20 minutes north of Asheville. I am on the far western edge of North Carolina. Tell us about your farm and how many animals live there with you. (laughs) Well, I'm down to 18 animals since the rooster passed away, so uh, I am in the market for a new rooster. But yeah, I've got four dogs, one grumpy old cat, two horses, two goats, and the rest are all chickens. Rue is my favorite, I just have to say. (laughs) You know I always comment on Rue. What's the full name of that dog, by the way? Her full name is Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she is small and judgy. And I used to say I hope she lives forever, which applied to both of the Ruth Bader Ginsburgs, but it just applies to this one now. So you have a lot of experience with multi-dog households. And I know as a dog trainer here in South Florida, and I work with a lot of families that get new puppies, especially over the last 12 months, there's always some type of conflict or, or things that go wrong early on when they bring a new dog into the house, when they've already got dogs into the house. So what I want to have myself and everybody learned from you today is how to manage a multi-dog household. You said you have four dogs. What are the ages of your dogs and how long have you had each one? Okay, the oldest one is Aleli. She is 14 and I have lived with her for 13 years. The next one is Theodore. He is eight and I have had him since he was 16 months old. The next youngest one is Maggie, which was kind of poor family planning because she is seven and a half, so very close in age to Theodore. I don't advise doing that because then you end up with two old dogs at the same time and you lose them at the same time and it's very sad. So I had to get little Rue and she has just turned two. How do you manage all of those dogs at once? I guess one of the things I want to know specifically is how do you give ten- enough attention to four different dogs where they're 
all happy and they're not all jealous or begging for more attention from you? Well, I'm a dog trainer, so they're kind of my whole life. And the other cool thing that happens when you have multiple dogs is, I guess this is why people have multiple kids. I, ha- I don't have kids, so I don't know. But I think they entertain one another. And when I went from having one dog in 1992 to living with a roommate with a dog about the same age in 1993, my whole life changed. I suddenly stopped feeling so guilty about leaving home to go to work because I knew the dogs had another dog to play with. And they, these four definitely all get along really well. And the nice thing is the three younger ones play together and the 14-year-old can relax once in a while. So the question that we talked about on Facebook when we chatted is there can be instances where somebody has an adult dog and they bring a puppy, one dog, and they bring a new puppy into the house. Why don't you talk a little bit about what owners should do to make that run smoothly and what could happen if they don't? Yeah, well, I will add with my four dogs, I live in 160 square feet, and that is not a typo. I am recording this from an eight foot by 20 foot tiny house on wheels. And thankfully, these guys are all really good friends. They can all stack up on the couch on top of one another, sometimes with a chicken. That's not an accident. I really choose my dogs carefully. So going from one dog to two dogs is the most difficult transition you're going to make. Like when I added Rue, I already had three dogs. I'm used to getting up early, feeding the dogs, letting them out, scooping the poop. Adding a fourth dog really didn't significantly change my life. But going from one dog where that dog gets all the attention, where that dog's food dish is sacrosanct, where all of the toys belong to that one dog, and bringing in an interloper who is suddenly up in their face. And a lot of adult dogs don't like puppies. My Doberman is not a fan of puppies. She's terrified of them. The first time I brought a puppy home for board and train, I was living in a bigger house than this. She ran into the bedroom and she hopped up on the bed and she did not leave that bed until the puppy was in its crate or gone home. She was just having none of it. So she is not a dog. If she was my only dog, I would never choose to bring home a puppy because I know from experience puppies are not her favorite. And it's hilarious. I do board and train other people's puppies. We have some rules. The puppies get a lot of outside time. The puppies get a lot of crate time. And she has... She's allowed on the furniture and they're not. So she has ways to get away from them. When they hit about eight months of age, she takes a look at them. She goes, oh, you're a dog now. I can play with you. So with her, if I was going to bring her a new companion, I, would, I wouldn't I would even choose a puppy. I would choose an adolescent or an adult. And when I brought Rue home, at, she was about six or eight months old. They were best buddies instantly. Why do you think that some adult dogs don't like puppies? What is the reason behind that? Or have you been able to figure that out with the research that you've done and the training that you've done? Yeah, I think all dogs are individuals. Like I said, I don't have children. I am terrified of babies. My siblings love this. When they have a new baby, they come over, they plunk it in Auntie Trisha's arms just to watch me completely panic because although I've never dropped a puppy, I am terrified. I am going to drop this baby. It takes a long time to make a new one. But when they hit about two, three years of age, and you can have a conversation with them, then I become the fun aunt. And I think a lot of dogs feel the same way. I think puppies just move differently. They smell different. If the dog hasn't been exposed to a lot of puppies, Maggie has gotten better with puppies the longer I've had her. 
none have been as dramatic as that very first one I brought home where she hid in the bedroom the whole time. But I think we need to ultimately respect who our dogs are. And bringing home a second dog or a third dog or a fourth dog is kind of like an arranged marriage. <laughs> Here's a new partner, especially that second dog where You've had this whole house to yourself, and here's a tiny interloper. It's a big change, and I think we need to take into consideration what the adult dog in the home wants, what, what kind of dogs they like, whether they prefer male dogs, female dogs, big dogs, little dogs. If they don't like puppies, there's lots of adolescent dogs. There's lots of adult dogs who need homes. You don't have to inflict the puppy on them. Does the gender the age, the breed, and the size of the dog have any impact on whether a dog that you currently have in the house is going to like them or not? Or is it completely just a sporadic thing that you've noticed? Or do you think there's a different certain gender or the certain size or breed of dog that has an impact on that behavior? Well, if I was going to import a dog from far away and I didn't have the chance to let them get to know one another, and I just had one dog, I would probably choose an opposite sex dog. They tend to get along better with opposite sex dogs. This is not true of all dogs. Like I said, they're all individuals. Some of them prefer one over the other. I have Dobermans. I have Pitbulls. These dogs are known for same-sex dog aggression, and it is not an accident. When my last Doberman died and I had the new Pitbull, the new Doberman is an opposite sex dog. And they are great buddies. I'm not saying that a same-sex Doberman and Pitbull could never get along, but might as well tip the odds. I, I find with male and female dogs, it's more flirty and less competitive. And as far as the research goes, if you have dogs who decide they don't like one another, having two females who decide they don't like one another is the hardest to change their minds about it and get them back together if they start fighting. So. Really, I did not know that. And since I can see you on video, I see a cat above your head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the cat is on the is on the steps to the loft. So the cat has the two lofts up above me, and sh she will probably come down now that the dogs are asleep. She'll probably start beating on the, the dog door. The other thing that I have, since I have such a small house, I have a fully fenced farm, three and a half acres. And I have a dog door that I keep open during the day. So they have a lot of choice in their life. And I think this is part of keeping a whole herd of dogs happy is to meet their needs as best you can. So they get their nutritional needs. They get their training needs met. They get their exercise needs met. There's a lot of enrichment just in having four dogs, plus all of the other farm animals to interact with. How much work is it to manage a multi-dog household of four dogs? You just said it's it's quite a bit of work. You have to give attention to it. You have to set things up and plan it properly so they have an outlet, so they have enrichment, so they have an easy way to go outside and eliminate and those types of things. So you have to plan this out. You just can't be bringing another dog into the house or multiple dogs and having a house full of dogs and not have any type of structure or program that is going to enable them to live a happy life. Well, I think a lot of people just throw two dogs together and they get along fine. And I have friends who have been in arranged marriages and that has worked out for them, but it doesn't always work out. When I went from one dog to two dogs, I moved in with a roommate who had a similar age dog. We just threw them in together. We feed them both in the kitchen. We have dog toys everywhere. 
And they got along fine. And looking back on that, they were two females. They're the same age. They're both super high energy dogs. That could have gone sideways in so many ways. And we just lucked out. It was, it was a great little arranged marriage with those two dogs. They were great buddies. I'm a little different from most dog trainers. A lot of dog trainers decide, I need to get a dog from these lines and I need to put my name on the puppy from the 2022 litter from this cross so that I can do this specific dog sport. I'm not terribly good at dog sports. I've been playing with agility since the 90s, but I am not ever going to be on the world team. I've done a little bit of obedience and rally and therapy dog work, but I kind of look at what the dogs want to do. To me, having the dogs who are in the household sign off on the new dog. So a couple years ago, I brought home this beautiful male Doberman. He was eight months old. He was just my type of dog. He loved food. He loved toys. He loved trading. He was friendly. He was outgoing. Great, great, great dog. And I asked my existing dogs at the time, can I keep this Doberman? And every single one of them and the cats <laughs> said, nope, when is he going? <laughs> we all hate him. And you know what? He moved on. I, I was just fostering him. I found him a home where he was the only Doberman and he got all the attention and my dogs got their life back. But when I brought home little Rue, if they had said no, she would have moved on to another home. But every single animal on the farm, the dogs, the cats, even the chick I thought for sure she would chase chickens because she looks like a little terrier. Oh, no. She just eats the eggs from the chicken. <laughs> she does. Know, right? She does know how to get into the hen house and steal eggs. It is really her only flaw. She's a great little dog, but she's- Because the funniest video that I ever saw you post, and I haven't been friends with you on Facebook for that long, but the recent videos is putting a fake egg in the coop. And Rue getting the egg and coming out with the egg and you just calling her a naughty little girl. And then she just kind of shook her head and her tail like, I didn't do anything wrong, mommy. <laughs> Another thing, too, is I love the way you communicate with your dogs. You never get real upset at them. You never talking bad to them. Even if they do something that, you know, wasn't quite right, you're still and Rue runs away with those shoes. You're just like, hey, come on in. You can come in now. And you just. A lot of owners need to learn this. In fact, I've showed a couple of your videos to my clients that treat their dogs a little too harsh. And I said, look, you don't need to watch this. This is how a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant works with her dogs. Take this and use it this way. Just be real nice to your dog. They're going to come around. Don't worry about it right now. And I think that speaks a lot for not only yourself, but how you can educate other people on how to manage their dogs. What can go wrong if they don't do things right? They say you have an adult dog is two years old. They bring an eight-week-old puppy into the house. If it's not done right, if they didn't bring the puppy into the house the right way, and if this adult dog doesn't like the puppy or doesn't like puppies, and the owners didn't know this, what could go wrong? And what are some of the things that you've seen at this stage? Yeah, one of the toughest things is when somebody brings a puppy home to an ancient dog, like my 14-year-old, she has arthritis, she is deaf, she sleeps really hard. So if a puppy comes running out of nowhere and just jumps on her, it's really going to startle her. It could hurt her. People think, oh, it'll rejuvenate the old dog, and occasionally it works. But I like to get my dogs not more than five years apart. Like I said, the two in the middle are closer in age than I want was looking for, but it's worked out okay with those two. But if you've got an adult dog, first of all, find out if they like puppies, borrow a puppy. 
take them around other dogs. And if you know they don't like puppies, don't inflict a puppy on them. The other thing is when you first bring the dog home, make sure that everybody's got their own stuff. Like I live in the tiniest house ever. And at feeding time, Rue goes in the crate. Aleli goes in the bathroom. Theodore goes on the bed on top of the crate and Maggie eats outside. So there's no nosing around one another. Aleli eats so slowly. She's a thousand years old. She has to chew every bite a hundred times. So I feed her first and she starts eating. And then I put the food in the crate for the, for the young dog because it doesn't matter how fast she eats. She's locked in there. And then I feed Theodore. And then I feed Maggie, who bolts her food down really fast. So I feed this, the fastest dog last and the slowest dog first. And they're all separated. And when everybody's done, I pick up all of the bowls, put them, they're sitting over on the sink now. I fed them right before I got on this podcast with you. So managing the resources is really important. And especially if you're bringing a new dog home. So if I'm bringing in a dog for board and train that I don't know, I pick up all of the toys. <laughs> they go in the bucket bucket goes in the shed. There is absolutely nothing to, to argue over. We may introduce toys later and see how that dog is. And if they're guardy, then nobody gets toys. Same thing with Chewies. My dogs used to get bully sticks frequently because I had a good way to separate them. But since winter came and nobody wants to eat bully sticks outside, they just don't get high value Chewies because this house is too small for four dogs with high value Chewies. Have they ever fought over high value Chewies? No but I don't want to find out. A lot of dogs do though. How did you how did you prevent that from happening? Because a lot of dogs, I see this when I go over to train mm-hmm. a puppy and their adult dog who is older exactly like you said. I've got two families right now that I have a 5-month-old puppy and a 12-year-old dog and they both fight over toys and bully sticks yeah. and everything like that. Both and they both are, you know, I have to, we have to manage it. We manage it a lot with yeah. space. We manage it with resources, like you said, and we keep everything nice and calm. And my dogs might fight over bully sticks. If I gave every one of them a bully stick right now, there might be a four dog fight right here. I don't know because I don't put them in that situation. Key point right there. You don't <laughs> put them in that situation. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. How do people know what situations they should not be putting their dogs into in a multi-dog household with a new puppy that comes into the house with an adult dog? What should they do? What should they absolutely not do to put, well, as, as a dog trainer, we know we never want to put our dogs in a position to stress them out, make them fearful, make them have more anxiety, anything like that. We never want to do that. But I think a lot of owners do it unconsciously. They don't know that they're doing it until a dog trainer I didn't know that when I moved in with my roommate with his dog. I gave those dogs bones all the time and they happened not to fight. But boy, oh boy, if they had, they were a 50-pound dog and a 90-pound dog. That that could have made a big mess. If your puppy's going to get a high-value treat or a chewy, put the puppy in the crate. Don't let the adult dog stick their nose in the crate and antagonize the puppy. Give the adult dog their chewy, their Kong, behind a baby gate in another room of the house. They do not have to be side by side with no barriers. Like I said, my dogs might fight if I gave them a really high value toy. And I just don't do that. I have lived with multiple dogs since the 90s. And 
I'm building a slightly larger house right beside this house very, very, very slowly. And the thing I am most excited about, <laughs> you will understand this being a dog trainer, is under the stairs, I'm going to have little cubbies that are exactly fitted for crates so that rather than having crates all over the living room like a normal dog trainer, I can put them all in and they're going to get bully sticks and they're going to get raw bones and they're going to get all the good stuff that they can't have here. So they do get bully sticks, but they get if I take one dog to agility class on the way home, they might get a, get a bully stick to chew on. So it's not that they don't ever get them, but I can't separate them where I'm living now. What other things should owners manage when they have two dogs in the house and a new dog that comes into the house besides space and also resources? What other things do they should they be aware of? Well, attention's a big resource too, and resting spaces. So I make sure Let's see, how many dog beds do I have? I have two dogs on the couch. I have one dog on the dog bed beside me. I have one dog in the dog bed in the crate. And there's an empty dog bed on the floor. So there's one more dog bed than there are dogs, despite the fact that I'm in 160 square feet. Okay, but wait, hold on a second. I have seen the picture of them two weeks ago on Facebook where they're all sleeping in one bed. Yes, yes, they do. I bought a new bed from L.L. Bean because I was so tired of buying cheap beds and getting them shredded. And they, all four of them decided that that was the only good bed in the house. I have the sofa permanently folded out into a double bed because it's a dog house. This is, this is what the dogs do. And I put the new L.L. Bean bed on top of the couch. And they were just like, it's a bed on a bed. This is the best thing. And it's brand new. And it doesn't smell. And yeah, they all piled into it. So it's a dog house with you living in it, basically. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. The dog and, and the cat. And what about your chickens? Do they come inside sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if the door is open, we are coming into spring. So I'm going to start leaving the door open and they will walk in. They will hop. One of them tried to lay an egg on the couch earlier this week when I had the door open. I have one that gets broody. So I bring her into the house and put her on the ladder behind me at night <laughs> so that she doesn't sit on the fake egg in the coop and obsess on it. So yeah, the, the goats have not been in the house. The horse has tried to get into the house, but my pushier horse. Obviously, you're very good with animals, or <laughs> she couldn't pull all this off. How common are multi-dog household aggression? How common is that? Because I've gotten called in the last 12 months, probably 30 times to help with that. How has that changed in the last year with your business and what was it like even before COVID? What are some of the things that you've worked on with multi-dog household aggression and some more tips that you can give owners to help prevent it? I've had a couple of owners this year who have decided on rehoming one of the dogs where they have brought in a new dog. There's fights. One of them was an older client who physically couldn't break up the fights and also physically had a hard time separating the dogs, just picking one up and putting it over the baby gate. And we had some long talks about this. And ultimately, she decided to rehome one of the dogs. Both of the dogs now can have chewies anytime they want. They now have all of the attention. They were fighting over toys. They were fighting over attention. I mean, we couldn't even put drag lines on these dogs because they were going to trip her and hurt her. They were same-sex dogs. It was an older dog with a younger one brought in. And instead of being companions, they were competitors. And not all arranged marriages work out. Not all not arranged marriages worked out. Work out. I'm, I'm divorced. I, I thought I was in it for good. 
But sometimes you grow apart. Sometimes you're just not a match from the beginning. And sometimes rehoming is the answer. So it's not a bad thing to rehome because like you said, you have two dogs. They're not getting along. You're thinking about rehoming if that's the option. And then the end result is you're giving both dogs a great life versus being stressed out all the time living with each other and stressing you out as the owner trying to manage everything, right? Yeah, and it, it's not the right answer for all people with dog-dog issues, but it's something to keep in mind because I have lived the crate and rotate life when I got married and my husband had a dog who my dog fought really badly with. She actually broke his leg in the worst fight I've ever had in my house. They were not messing around. They were both big dogs. Having to keep two dogs separated under the same roof, I swore this is not something I am ever going to do again, but neither of us was going to give up our dog. I'm a trainer. I know how to do this. But ultimately, each dog kind of got half a life. And the other dogs in the household suffered as well. You know, they were having to put up baby gates and where's the other one and put one in the crate. Neither of them were dogs that could be rehomed either. So we, we made it work for the two years his dog had left. I do not want to do that again. So I, I use the survivor island technique. If everybody on the island says you can stay, then the new animal can stay. If one of these animals says, I want to vote you off the island, that's it. We're not going to force you to live together. I got another question for you. I didn't even have this one written down. This came to me because this happens quite a lot. An owner contacts a breeder and says, we want a puppy. We're going to put a deposit on a puppy. And then they decide, let's get two puppies. (laughs) Okay, let's get two puppies. Let's get two male mini Australian shepherds. (laughs) I've seen this happen. The client has called me again after I trained the dogs and wanted me to work on the dogs again. But I'm full right now. Yeah, well, I am a professional dog trainer, and you could not pay me to take more than one puppy at the same time. Littermate syndrome is a thing. I am sure you have encountered it as often as I have. And people see this, like the first dog that I bought from a breeder, she was the second last puppy left. And I remember feeling a pang taking this puppy away from her sister because we think in human terms, we think, oh, it would be really sad if I was a little baby and I was torn away from my sister. but Dogs don't stay with their whole family for their whole life. <laughs> they, they need to disperse, and especially the same-sex puppies. They would not stay with their mom for the rest of their lives. They would head off and form their own little uh, packs of dogs. <laughs> Forcing them to stay together is kind of abnormal. And I do have friends who have gotten litter mates and made it work, and kudos to them. But I tell my clients, it is going to be four times as much work to do two puppies properly because you're going to have to take them to separate puppy classes. You're going to have to take them on separate walks. You're going to have to crate them on other sides of the house so that they don't get overbonded. No, the owners of this family that I'm talking about, these dogs are so attached to each other that if one dog went outside for the walk, the one would stay inside the house and absolutely have a panic attack. They have to walk them together and they can't even walk together. They have to do everything together. They can never be apart. It's a big problem. I tried helping them manage this situation, but there's only so much I can do. Yeah, we can't solve everybody's problems. If I had brought those two male mini Australian shepherds into my house and I had to have both of them, they would have started sleeping in 
crates in different rooms from day one. They would have started in puppy classes from day one. They would have, you're staying home with the Chewy, you're coming in the car with me, and it wouldn't be this issue. Mm-hmm. Right. I did, I did actually have a client with two regular Australian Shepherd puppies. And what we did when they hit adolescence and some less desirable behaviors started popping out was I would take one of them in for board and train for a week or two, and they would work with the one who was at home, and then we'd swap. And that worked out, That worked really well to sort of break the bond and get them working independently. And they ultimately decided to rehome one of those with their daughters. So they still got to get together and have play dates, but each dog had their own family to hang out with, and that worked out better for them. What about a couple that has a dog and it's a chow-chow? And the dog gets to be about seven months old and they say, you know what? We're going to get another chow chow. Let's contact that breeder. We love this one. And Dale trained this dog so well. And this dog's doing so good. And this is a true story, by the way. Let's get another one. Well, if you trained a chow chow, hats off to you. Those are uh, not always the easiest dog. At least you've got a head start with one of them. But I like my dogs to be at least two years apart, and my ideal range is five years apart because the best puppy I brought home was when I had a 10-year-old and a five-year-old because the 10-year-old was starting to slow down. The five-year-old was starting to be a little much for her. And when I brought the puppy in, the five-year-old played with the puppy. The 10-year-old got to have naps again. That was when I decided that five years was my ideal (laughs) range. And three dogs is my ideal number of dogs, because if I take one to class, the other two can keep each other company at home. I I really like three as a number of dogs, but I have one extra Doberman in the middle who ruined my uh, otherwise idyllic family. Not only did I train that Chow Chow, but I taught that dog a lot. I brought it from a fearful dog. The second I walked into that house, it barked for me. It barked at me for 45 minutes, wanted to rip my head off had territorial aggression, did not want me coming into the house. He did not like the wife of the family, would not go over to her, was attached to the husband. Not only did I go back and work through all of that and make this dog a great dog, but now then they got another dog. So I guess that kind of does speak some volumes of my... They went back to the same breeder? Same breeder, yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. One, One thing, there's another point that isn't in the questions you gave me, but... Matching personalities is really important. So if I have a fearful dog, the puppy tends to learn from the adult dog. So if your adult dog is fearful and you bring in a puppy, for some reason, the good stuff is not as contagious as the bad stuff. So if you've got a really barky dog and you bring in a puppy, the puppy would be like, yay, we yell in this house. How awesome. If you've got a fearful adult dog, the puppy would be like, yeah, we run away from things in this house. But if you have a fearful adult dog and you bring home, a super outgoing adult dog, they can be a really good therapy dog. So Aleli, my 14-year-old, was very fearful when I met her. She's a street dog from Puerto Rico. She was my ex-husband's dog. He didn't know about socializing puppies. He had few friends. She's what I call a club dog. She's friends with who she's friends with. And the first time I met her, she hid under the desk and barked at me for 45 minutes. When she got integrated into my pack of dogs who were very outgoing with people, it was so good for her. Like I would take her to the office. One of my dogs would see somebody coming towards my office and stand at the baby gate, wagging and jumping up and down and saying, hi, come here. And she really learned from those dogs. If you 
balance the personalities well, they can really be one another's best therapists and vice versa. What other things do you want to add to this conversation? Because I know you have a lot to talk about here. We can talk about, we have a little bit more time. We can talk about farms, chickens, horses, <laughs> dogs, anything else. What other things can you add to this conversation about anything? Let's talk about other species then, because I have a lot of species here on the farm. I think it's important to make sure that the cats in the house get along with the new dog that you're bringing home. And I do a lot of kind of slow introductions. So when I have had less friendly dogs, the dogs I have now are so friendly. A friend of mine brought her chihuahua over. She was coming to um, play with the horses and she just brought her random new chihuahua, set her free in the dog park pasture. And I brought my dogs out one at a time. They all went, hi, chihuahua. And then we just opened the gate up and all five of them ran around the farm for the afternoon. I did have to put up the chickens and put up the cat because she said the chihuahua is great with cats, with her cats at home. She decided my cat was for chasing. So my cat went in the house and she went after the chickens. So if she was a dog that I was bringing into the household for the first time, I really don't want her to learn that cats and chickens both run if you chase them. So it's really important to introduce them on leash to give the prey animals a place to get away. I really like those baby gates that have a hole in them. When I first brought cats home, I had a chow chow mix who wanted to eat cats. She lived almost 14 years. I knew I couldn't have a cat while I had her, but three days after she died, I was at the Humane Society looking at cats. And when I brought the cat home, the cat went into a room by herself. I went in and played with her lots, but the dogs could just hear her. They couldn't see her. And then I started using the baby gate so they could see her, but they couldn't get to her. And we used lots of treats and lots of positive reinforcement. And at feeding time for cats, the cat had her meal on one side, the dogs had their treats on the other. And then I started bringing the dogs in one at a time, starting with the most cat-friendly one. And it was probably a month. It was funny, the Doberman I had at the time, I have pictures of him in his old home with a cat. So he was the one I was least worried about. When I brought a new cat into his home, it was a squirrel to him. It took a long time with him for him to not want to chase the cats. And we did lots of slow introductions. So I think it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that there are some dogs who are never going to be safe with cats and chickens and small critters. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, you can just take it slowly. And I made sure to pick a cat that was not declawed. So she has all of her weapons. And these cat, these dogs really respect her. She, they know she's very pointy. You stay away from the mean old cat. Poor Theodore the pit bull has decided it's his life mission. I've had this cat for six years now and he has been trying to make friends with her for six years and he goes wagging up to her and <laughs> she has been turning him down. Do you think she'll ever come around to allowing him into her life? I can sit on the couch with her on one side and him on the other side but she likes to come up when he's sleeping because if he's awake, he's just like, today's the day. Today, he lives in hope. Today's the day that you're going to be my best friend. My dog just came into my room right now. She's a, well, you saw the picture of her, I think. Mini Aussie, ah. one year old. Yeah, I just have one. I had one die last year. He was a lab husky mix. And then three weeks later, I got Dixie. I can only have one. I'm smart. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a lot of fun watching them play with each other. So maybe maybe you'll come around to the multi dog. Well, when I went to grad school, I took one Doberman with me. I farmed out the other five dogs I had at the time, four dogs I had at the time, and I brought the Doberman with me. And it was kind of cool just having one dog because it was England, so you could take them on the bus, you could take them to the pub. We got to do a lot of things together, and uh, I, I see the attraction. I don't think I can ever do it because I love watching them interact. It's my favorite thing. In South Florida, we did not shut down. So I've been going to clients' homes through the whole pandemic. I never stopped. I didn't go through the virtual thing yet. I did a couple of clients online. I've done everything in person. Wear a mask. I get tested every month for COVID. I'm very careful. I use hand sanitizer and things like that in my Clients are very careful. I give them a checklist of this is what you have to do if I'm coming into your home. You have to wear a mask. We have to be social distanced and so forth. And I haven't stopped. My business tripled in the last wow. year going to people's homes. And they want me to come to their homes. They don't want to do this virtual thing. They're like, no, 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 no. I want you to come here and train my dog. Okay, sure. No problem. So I'm around probably three or four different dogs a day. And then I come home to my own dog. That's why for me, one dog still works out very well right now because I'm around <laughs> dogs a lot. Yeah, I, I've been having clients come to the farm during COVID and it's really awesome because I've got my dogs here. So if they've got a puppy who needs to meet friendly dogs, I could bring out any dog but the Doberman and they can, and they all look completely different and we can do a little puppy class with my three dogs and they're one puppy. <laughs> that is awesome. That sounds great. And if we want to use chickens or goats or horses as recall distractions, it's, it's pretty cool to have a whole farm to socialize a puppy and to use as distractions to work around. Yeah, that sounds really great. So Trish, tell everybody again how to find you, what you're doing this year, where they can see anything that you're doing, any classes or online courses or anything like that. Yeah, I am at trishmcmillan.com. I have been doing a lot of webinars for shelters over the pandemic. So if they want to have me teach about body language or defensive handling or how to break up a dogfight, they can get their own personalized webinar where we invite everybody and then I record it. And that is theirs to use for training for as long as they want to do it. So that's been a lot of fun. I do shelter consulting, so I help shelters with their behavior programs. I have an online shelter dog behavior mentorship that runs a few times a year. I used to travel and speak and do all kinds of things. I really miss traveling. I'm hoping that 2022 will be the year that I get back on the road because I, I really miss going to new places and meeting new people. But it's been really nice staying on the farm for a whole year and watching the seasons change too. So. I do do virtual consulting, if, uh, and I also do peer consulting. So if you're a new trainer and you've got a tough case, you can hire me to go over, the, go over your caseload and give you a few more ideas if you're hitting the wall. I did not know that, and I will keep that in mind <laughs> for myself. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. Because that does, that does happen quite a bit. Well, Trish, I want to thank you for being on the show. We're going to end it now, and I'm going to visit your website again because I know you've got a lot of great things on there on your website. I looked at it briefly, and there's a lot of information on there. I'm going to go through that again. And I want to thank you one more time. If you want to check out Trish McMillan, it's trishmcmillan.com. Thank you for listening to Puppy Talk. If you get a chance, go over to our website, 
puppytalkpodcast.com, where you can see all of our episodes. Have a great day. This is Dale Buchanan, host of Puppy Talk Podcast. I have an announcement of a new book that I just published called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback, soon to be available on audiobook. You can find out all the details of this book using the link in the show notes. It's called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's a comprehensive book with a simple and effective way to help potty train your puppy, and it really works. Check out the link in the show notes.